for listening to NYC. What a crazy week we just had this past uh, college football week. Uh, a week seven in the books. And we're here to discuss it all. I've got my coaches with me, Dory Bennett and Scott Ligo. Might as well get to the second half here, you know, just capping off that first half. It was uh, it was a fun half, especially the last uh, 542. Uh, we saw 20 points uh, scored between the two teams. I'll pose this to Scott first. Um, who is this team? Who is Alabama now? I, I used to think of Alabama as this run, run team, uh, just bruising, you know, kind of physical team, which they still are. But this is now a team where we saw it with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, and we've seen it with players the, the last few years with all these wide receivers. Now you have Smith and Waddle, uh, the, you know, 24 targets, 366 yards, 18 first downs, three touchdowns. This Alabama team is no longer matriculating down the field. They have opened up the field. They've got these incredibly talented NFL uh, wide receivers. What what happened to the Alabama Crimson Tide teams that we kind of grew up watching? And now this is this new age 2020 uh, uh, college football team. It's incredible to see, especially for a team with like Nick Saban's. So, yeah, you know, offensively, things have just changed. The, you know, the, the offense's evolution is now stretching you across 53 yards and stretching you and putting you in the DBs and linebackers in tough places. And, uh, you know, nowadays, you know, one play looks like it could be three plays. It could be a slant with a bubble with a, a option read into it. And so it's just a lot different. The, 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 you know, evolution of offense is, is pretty amazing. The old uh, three yards and a cloud of dust is definitely gone. And, um, you know, just people stretching you vertically and horizontally horizontally now in, in offensive so it's it's pretty impressive uh, Dory I guess uh, all dog you know old dogs can learn new tricks I mean uh, is, is that what we're saying now I mean and Nick Saban's age and you know changing offense and uh, and kind of getting with the the new age passing uh, it's it's a little surprising it's it's not shocking but it's a little surprising especially when you have coaches that have run a system for so long and all of a sudden they've changed well I think the tide has turned. The tide has turned. And the offense, a couple of years ago, they made a change. They made a big change. Saban uh, made a really big change offensively with his offensive scheme and realizing that if they were going to continue to be in the national championship chase, that they had to make a change. It, re- it does remind me, though, of, of the change that uh, Coach Don James made in the late 1980s and into 1990s when the Huskies, he knew that he had to go out and recruit players that were faster, stronger, uh, better, and change his offensive thoughts, ideas, and schemes. And he did that, and Washington ends up winning a national championship. So that, to me, that, that's what it resembles to me, that type of a change. And, and we all know that Saban's, they even came from the Don John, Don James coaching tree. So there you go. Tide has changed. All right, let's. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit. That was by far the most interesting uh, when it came down to ranking teams head to head. What which, a game that was not interesting at all, unless you like scoring and you're a big fan <laughs> of the Tigers. Was the number one team in the country, uh, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Um, it, the game was tied at 7-7, and I think it really pissed them off that Georgia uh, Tech came down and uh, hit that bomb and tied the game at 7 uh, because from that point on, um, Clemson went on a 66 uh, to nothing scoring run. Um, 
anybody want to jump in on their thoughts on that game? Because I got nothing besides, you know, woodshed. Go ahead, Dory. Well, it was, it, it, that Clemson game, okay, set a record. And Clemson sets records every week, by the way. But this one was a conference record. Clemson's largest win ever versus an ACC conference opponent. And Clemson's been beating up on the ACC for a decade since Dabo Sweeney took over as the interim coach. So it's not surprising that they win. It's surprising that they continue to set records and then they go back and break them again. Uh, Trevor Lawrence definitely has, has been the showcase for since college football came back. And, he, and, there, and there's nobody out there that, that competes with him at that level. No, no, other, no other team has a quarterback of Trevor Lawrence's ability and statistics and, and leadership, and he's been doing it for a while. So I think that Clemson is they, – they're now playing, though. They are now playing above their competition every time they have a game versus playing to the level of their competition, which did kind of start to show up a little bit last year. So, I don't know, impressive. What do you say? Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, it was over after, like Will said, after that, they threw that uh, bomb, you know, to go up, you know, tie it up at seven. And Georgia Tech, you know, unfortunately had to deal with the wrath of a lot of good Clemson athletes. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you, in the third quarter when I, you know, flipped back to it and watched uh, – Trevor was still even in the game when they had 52 already up on the board. And I understand, you know, trying to get your team kind of adjusted the second half, get them under the thing, go. But boy, uh, you know, they're just, I mean, I just watched, uh, you know, the second string quarterback throw it in a little pass and he ends with a 60 yard, you know, uh, catching score. So it just goes to show you that Clemson has just really just got a lot of good football players on the team and really good uh, stuff. And, Offenses are just really rolling right now. You know, I know we talked about it, you know, prior to the show, you know, how these offenses are, you know, making it happen. Boy, that means just 73 points is a lot of points, you know, on the scoreboard. And if you're a GA today and having to do next week's game, you're going for a long day of breaking down film (laughs) (laughs) against Clemson today. That's all I know. That's a long day. Just uh, we, I want to make it a quick conversation because we're gonna we're gonna have this conversation in the next coming weeks. But um, do you see any way that Clemson and Alabama uh, flip? And as of as of right now, we're doing the show early Sunday morning, so the top twenty five hasn't come out. Uh, but can you see Clemson and Alabama, whether it's this week or going forward, uh, flipping? Because the reason I pose this question is because there's really no competition left on Clemson's schedule. And Alabama still has to play uh, some teams. That w- they will still play LSU. I think they still play Tennessee. They've, they've, they've got a couple teams on the schedule that they still have to deal with. Um, just uh, quick thoughts. Yeah, I would, well, I would I, say – go ahead. Go ahead, Jory. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I would, I would just quickly say that I, I think that the only way that would ever flip right now is Clemson would have to come out and you know win a game by one point, and Alabama rolled somebody big on the they weekend. They play Syracuse next week. They're not. There's nobody on the schedule that they they, yeah. they would have to. Unfortunately, Trevor Lawrence would probably have to be hurt, and they still would probably blow out these teams. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's that's the only scenario that I see, but I don't think that's going to happen. Story. I think. I think with with Clemson, uh, 
their their defense is not really being tested, and and Alabama's defense does get tested playing in the SEC. So I could see Alabama if, if we come down to an Alabama Clemson, I could see Alabama beating Clemson, even though Clemson has Trevor Lawrence, because I'm not really sure that that Clemson's defense is getting much competition. Yes, they're shutting teams out, but they're shutting teams out that don't have the talent that 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 the Clemson defense practices against every week. So that's the only opportunity that that the Clemson defense gets to play against competition is during practice. So Alabama, though, I I don't know. Alabama seems a little bit more well balanced, and I know that I might be taking a little bit of a chance saying that. Uh, I don't know. It seems like it's just those two teams coming down to the end. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I just think that the uh, you know obviously the biggest issue is you know being able to have a competitive game, and if you get in the playoff, you know what to, to Dory's point is you know you haven't been you haven't been in that pressure cooker, and haven't been having to have to get really tested and get pushed offense. You know your defense getting pushed as they would against Alabama's offense. That could make things in the playoffs a little bit tougher. That's for dang sure. All right, I'm going to give you my useless note. Uh, next year, there's one team on Clemson's schedule, and they will be on that schedule to 2037. Uh, do not ask me why there's a schedule to 2037 with Clemson out already, <laughs> but there is, and I want to give you this information. That team is the South Carolina Gamecocks. So yeah. if, you, if you like that matchup with South Carolina and Clemson, you're going to get it all the way to 2037. And by the way... What a performance by them against the Auburn Tigers, uh, ranked number 15 uh, Auburn Tigers this past week as they defeat them 30-22. Uh, to uh, 22. Um, What were your thoughts um, on, on the game, uh, Scott? We'll start with you. Um, just impressive. I, w- I was just, uh, you know... You know, thought it was a you know great great game for them. I mean, they they definitely played well, and uh, um, you know they needed that win. And uh, you know, Coach Marshamp is uh, you know maybe a little bit on the on the hot seat there. Um, and so I think you know obviously that he needed that win more than they, they both need wins. There's no doubt about it. But I felt like he really needed to have that win. And and it's such a, a healthier skelter you know program. Uh, South Carolina has been under Marshamp that they you know get a big win out of nowhere and then uh, you know then they lay eggs everywhere else and uh, it's really frustrating i think for the south carolina fans but uh, good win for him good win for him any any sec wins is a good win uh, in my opinion so the 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 gamecocks have had a quarterback switch and that happened last game i think that halinski did not start ryan halinski did not start and they brought in uh, their quarterback hill and it sounds like that's the direction that they're going to go. It was a first-time-ever victory for South Carolina over Auburn since 1933. Since 1933, that was that that is not a mistake in the in the in the print here today. So uh, that's huge. And maybe this is a game that that it feels like they're in a lot of games. South Carolina is in a lot of games and they end up on the short side. This one could turn the tide for them, uh, and, and and I think it's a huge win for South Carolina's program. Yeah, they're, they're having trouble. Auburn's having trouble with their quarterback play. Uh, Nick's, he's just uh, inconsistent. Um, once again, um, listen, he had three turnovers. They all turned into touchdowns. And 
I'm, you know, just speaking on the Auburn. I think Auburn is in a whole lot of trouble. I mean, they have Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M still remaining on their schedule. So uh, yeah. th- this might be the the last time that we see them ranked this year. And, um, you know, I would not be surprised if they have a, you know, really bad record by the end of the year. And that'll be really interesting with a program like Auburn um, that has had so many highs and have had some lows, uh, you know, the last few years. Yeah, Nick's is struggling. He's, he is really struggling right now. And, and he'll come out of it. I mean, he's, he's just a sophomore. He'll come out of it. But he's struggling. The Auburn defense has disappeared, absolutely disappeared. Not sure what's happening with them. And they did get out. They, yeah, they've just disappeared. And, you know, what goes around comes around regarding their head coach. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna pick up the pace. We're gonna um, just talk about uh, Scott um, BYU in Houston that uh, kicked off the weekend on Friday. Uh, BYU has scored forty points in four of their last five games. It's the first time since uh, two thousand one. Jeff Grimes came in, has changed the program, changed the coaching staff. Remember, uh, former. Uh, Former Ty, uh, former quarterback Ty Detmer was the quarter, uh, was the coach there before he was re- replaced. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, BYU and more importantly the quarterback uh, Zach Wilson in um, this season so far? Well, he's an impressive young kid. He's uh, really uh, uh, his just everything he does, his arm angles, the way he does different things, and the passing game is really really impressive. I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I was uh, intrigued by this game just because I didn't think that. Uh, you know, BYU had been pushed. And so, um, you know, and in, in defense of Houston a little bit, they haven't played very much either too. So they're not, I mean, they got up quickly and I thought that they were probably going to win it. And then I was really impressed with uh, BYU's comeback and, uh, you know, they've, uh, their defense started playing well in the second half and, and started doing some things and make some things happen. But, uh, yeah, that quarterback, he's an impressive kid. He's, uh, somebody that's, uh, Definitely under the radar, especially when you got people like Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones doing what they're doing. But he's uh, he's he's really really good. I was very impressed with uh, the BYU win. And I'm pretty sure you're going to love this information as a coach. Uh, Zach Wilson, he was the runner-up at Utah, uh, Mr. Football, but he was also a predominantly uh, really well uh, basketball player. So we, uh, as coaches, right, and we've had this discussion before, all of us, uh, we love the players that are multi-sport athletes. Um, it's it just There's just something about them, and um, you know we just love the makeup. So we'll be keeping our eye out on, on uh, Zach Wilson uh, this year, and hopefully uh, BYU can kind of keep it going. Yep. So, yeah, just real quick, Zach Wilson's dad was a defensive lineman for the University of Utah. So football is in the genetics there for him. And and the, the impressive piece is that it's been a while since BYU. That'd be nice. Has had a quarterback. <laughs> I know. I said it. BYU has had a quarterback that, that are bringing national attention back to – the program based on the quarterback play, right? The last one we, I mean, Steve Young uh, and a couple of others. I was thinking, and Jim, uh, Jim McMahon, McMahon right? Robbie so, Bosco, Ty Detmer, John Beck. John Beck, Beck is fact uh, working as a trainer at a 3D QB as a quarterback training facility in a SoCal. And um, in fact, uh, this kid, uh, Wilson, wound up going there on his off season because he had an injury to his thumb and I don't want to make this a long story. And he saw uh, Drew Brees working out 
And he said, watching Drew Brees every single snap, even when he didn't have a ball in his hand, he would look, go through the reads mentally. He said that was a game changer, just seeing how professional it was. So um, Brees was working with former QB John Beck at the 3D QB, and Wilson was picking up on some things, and now he's having a great season, and who knows? Maybe there's six degrees of separation, or maybe it means nothing. Who knows? Yeah, and really, Wilson wasn't recruited. Was was absolutely not recruited by BYU or by Utah. So good for him, man. You love hearing those stories about kids that that don't get recruited and yet have such a strong desire to be a part of a football program that they'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. Awesome. I'm going to bring up one more uh, uh, matchup. There's there's a lot of games to get into, but uh, due to time constraints, um, it sounds like a commercial there. Uh, we'll talk about one more team, and I want to get into the Big Ten because the Big Ten is back. They're back next week. So real quick, uh, the craziest game of the weekend is probably that UCF versus Men- uh, Memphis game, a 50-49 win uh, from Memphis, um, which was in- incredible. They uh, Brady White led a 21-point fourth-quarter rally and accounted for 516 total yards and seven touchdowns. Um, and also uh, Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for UCF, he threw for 601 yards and five touchdowns and no <laughs> interceptions. So uh, quick note, that's the first 600-yard performance in a losing effort since Patrick Mahomes. And um, for you guys that probably remember the game in 2016, he lost to Oklahoma 66-59, to where he threw for 119 yards. <laughs> so a lot of numbers, a lot of stats. Uh, Scott, um, I know you followed Memphis uh, for a long time. You know, what were your thoughts with the UCF Memphis game, which always seems to be a great, great game? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I've, I've been able to witness one of those personally. You know, see them from the sidelines in the whole nine yards. But uh, yeah, always good games. Uh, Coach Heupel does a great job at uh, UCF. I thought it looked like it was maybe an atypical UCF. You know, we're going to pull it away. And I thought Memphis didn't have it, you know, just didn't didn't look like they were dynamic doing the things that I thought they could do. And then all of a sudden that fourth quarter, man, things just all of a sudden just changed. And, uh, you know, great things, you know, if you just keep believing, keep doing your thing, keep, you know, uh, grinding, uh, put yourself in that position. Uh, it was impressive, man. It was a great, great win for Memphis and the, the city of Memphis and, uh, uh, and, a, you know, in a, non-power five you know game it's uh shows it goes back to the point we were making earlier man those these offenses today are just amazing i mean that's a lot a lot of yards of both those teams put up uh, like i think it was like 1200 almost 1300 yards uh together so impressive game impressive game it was fun to watch so memphis first win since 1990 over ucf and uh before that, and 1990 was the first year that UCF was Division One. So it's been a long haul—30 years, 30 years since since that happened. Um, I, I'm just always—it's it, it, always if you love football and you love offensive football, Memphis UCF should be at the top of your list every year. You should take your calendar, highlight it, put some asterisks there, and make sure that you see the Memphis. UCF game because it's always entertaining, always a lot of high flying offense, and 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 it's an intense rivalry that I think that the football world is really starting to appreciate. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent, Dory. I know you're tight with time. I want to get into the Big Ten, and then um, 
we can let you go in after a few minutes on your thoughts on the Big Ten. And Scott, if you uh, if you don't mind, you can stick around a few minutes and we'll just kind of put a bow on the show. Is that okay with everyone? Perfect. Great. All right. Hey, Big Ten is back. Uh, we thought it wasn't going to happen. Uh, they said it wasn't going to happen. They told it wasn't going to happen. And then it happened. So <laughs> the Big Ten is back. There's going to be an eight-game conference, uh, East and West. Uh, they're all going to match up. The top, speed, uh, top seed in each division will play a championship game on December 19th. Other teams that are not involved in that game, they'll play their plus one. Um, and I guess also if somebody misses a game due to COVID or anything else, um, they will make up any games. Uh, Dory, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten? And, uh, you know, just, yeah, period. What, what, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten coming back this weekend? I think it's exciting that the Big Ten is back. I think that uh, it'll be really interesting. I think there will be some upsets this week, just like there were when the SEC came back. Because, remember, it's everybody's first game back. And uh, what I did hear, though, is that Ohio State, when, when the season was called off, there were only a few teams that kept practicing and kept their players there. I, I couldn't tell you all the teams that, that, that decided to do that, but Ohio State was one of them. So, obviously, they're the front runner. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see what happens with the Big Ten. And I hope their protocols are so tight and dialed in regarding COVID because they have no, they've got no breathing room. They have no breathing room. Eight weeks, eight games, and and let's let's buckle it up and let's go see what's going on out there. But I think Ohio State is obviously the lead, right? And uh, there's a Michigan Minnesota game that's this week, and that could turn out to be a, a season changer from one of those two teams. So, so let me ask you real quick. And obviously we want Penn State to do well. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you real quick. We got the East Division, the West Division. Uh, just quick predictions. The East Division, you have Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Rutgers. That's the East Division. I want you to pick a winner out of that. Uh, we're not, not going to hold, it, hold you I'm, to I'm, it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Penn State. Okay. Because uh, for... for Absolute, all the right reasons. Great. In the, in the West Division, uh, you have Illinois, <laughs> Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, and Wisconsin. So if you had to pick a winner without seeing anybody play, picking a winner from those teams, who do you think is going to win? I know Minnesota's the front runner, but I think Wisconsin could come up and, and, and be sneaky. So I'm going Wisconsin. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna see where all this is at, and uh, next week we're gonna break down a lot of these games. Like you said, uh, we've got Michigan and Minnesota uh, next week. That's gonna be one of the the primetime games on uh, ABC. So uh, we'll be watching that, and um, you know the. It almost feels like the second half of the season uh, now is going to kick off as we start to get the Big Ten involved and the, the Pac-12 uh, uh, soon after that, and we'll we'll address all that stuff. Uh, Dory, I know you got to go. Um, appreciate your time. I wish we had more time with you, and, but we will do. Uh, we'll have you back uh, next week, and we get to talk more football. Sounds great, guys. Thanks. Have uh, a great Dory. week. Okay. Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. That was Dory Bennett. Always great to have Dory with us uh, with her great insight. Uh, Scott, uh, Big Ten's back. Um, I know you're a big fan. I know you're uh, 
Your stepson is uh, one of the coaches at Penn State, and everyone must be excited, all the coaching staff, the players. What, what does it mean for, as a former coach, what does it mean to finally start playing football in, a, in a, I guess, an off-season that has been so long, filled with so much anticipation, so many highs and lows, saying it's over, and now we're back, and now we're going to get going, and we have to get going fast. Yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, as a coach, you know, obviously it's always the payoff is to, to, to play the games, play the season. And so, uh, like you said, you know, start, stop, start, stop, start, and then uh, you're you're going, here we go. And, you know, to Dory's point, I mean, the Big Ten, there is no there is no room for failure here. Um, you know, they've got to get eight games in in eight weeks, and uh, there's no – they don't have any wiggle room. They can't, you know, play another game down the road. Um, so that, 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 that in itself will be interesting. I also would, you know, just, you know, think it's important to notice – put on note, too, that, um, you know, the Big Ten's uh, protocol is a little bit different than the Southeast Conference. So if you become down with uh, – you have to go into the protocol – uh, for COVID, uh, it is 21 days, three weeks. Wow. Uh, so they, um, you know, I, you know, as we both, everybody knows, it listens to the show, um, you know, with my connection to Penn state with my stepson, um, you know, they were told last week, if anybody gets sick this week, they they will be out for the Ohio state game, which will be, um, Halloween night. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, it's go time and, uh, it's so different, you know, now, you know, it was supposed to be the whiteout, the big game against Ohio State. Uh, they will play it in the evening again, but without 107,000 whiteouts, uh, I don't, it'll be interesting to see how what, you know how you can get your your team fired up and ready to go. Even though it is Ohio State and it should be fired up, it's just this this a different atmosphere. That's for sure what they're going to do. But uh, we are at go time. We're going to find out real quick, and I think there's going to you know the Big Ten's got a lot of questions, just as much too as everybody else. You know, well if uh, you know the the coach of Michigan can't te- beat the team up the, for the team up north this year. Does Michigan fans become unruly and say Harbaugh's got to go? Uh, does Harbaugh not get off to a good start against like a Minnesota and things kind of you know have a crazy season for him? Um, there's you know all the stuff that's uh, you know Ohio State looks like they, you know from the paper from everything else and all of the people's you know comments that they're the team to go do they just quickly just become that third team and looks like in the playoffs so it'll be interesting it's going to be an interesting year that's for sure for the big uh you know the big ten but it's nice to have them back on the bowl that's for sure and you know i find it really interesting that um the Ohio State Penn State game is so early in the season for, for them, right? For for their yeah. season, the Big Ten season, you know, it's real. It's the second game, and you know, you know, like anything, right? You, you know, you want a couple a couple weeks to kind of go by and tweak a few things and get ready for that big game. Almost kind of like what happened this past weekend with uh, Alabama and Georgia. You know, they had a couple couple games under their belt. You're getting this matchup really, really early. For, for these yeah. two heavyweights, you know, week, week two, you know, uh, Ohio State's playing Nebraska and you've got Penn State playing, uh, I believe is Indiana uh, this yes. first week. And um, then right to it. I mean, you're, you're going right to the heavy hitters. And then after that, you know, everything else becomes a, a little bit winnable, not to minimize the other teams. Obviously, they, you know, in that conference, you're going to compete, whether it's a Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa, you know, Michigan, things like that. But really that that early test... My point is, what does that do for the coaching staff? Are they are you looking ahead a little bit 
You know, I, I know you're not supposed to. I know you're supposed to deal with your opponent. Listen, you know, it's just it's just me and you talking, Scott. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's listening, yeah. right? So <laughs> no, no, nobody's listening. No, no, nobody's going to know really the secret is that, yeah, you're, you're, you're playing this week, but you are looking ahead to the big matchup. What, what goes through the coaching staff's head? Well, you know, using coach speak, you know, you, you do play just one, you know, game of the week and, you know, they've got to obviously focus in on what they got to do this week. Um, but I don't, you know, it's human nature. I mean, I just think who you are and, you know, you always, you know, what big game it is, you know, what's coming next week. And, you know, you just want to say, let's get through this, um, you know, win and hopefully against, you know, Indiana and for Penn state and, uh, for Ohio state to get their win. And then we both know what, what the following week is. So it's, it's just human nature. We just know that. And so, um, you know, we like to say, think we just, you know, one game at a time, one team at a time, all that stuff that we always hear coaching wise. Um, I just think it peaks and and it shows a lot of times you see games where, you know, guys play to the level of the programs that they're playing against and sometimes play up to the, pro, you know, to the level they're playing at too. So, um, uh, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, uh, like you said, it's, and it's unfortunate that we didn't have, you know, a real season where they, you know, going through and played a couple of games and then get to play each other, you know, week five and have to get a lot of the kinks out. And, you know, we're talking, you know, for Penn state, they don't have Micah Parsons this year. Yep. Uh, he's left to go to the NFL. Um, you know, I know that Ohio state lost a couple of kids, but they've had a couple of kids come back lately. Um, you know, their DB, their uh, cornerback and, you yeah, know, but so they have I, Justin I, I, Fields, right? I mean, yeah, re- regardless no. who they've lost, you're talking about a kid that had 41 touchdowns and only had three turnovers last year. And uh, he finished third in the Heisman behind Hurts um, and, uh, and Burrow. So you've got yeah. this, this talent, right? We're talking about Trevor Lawrence and we're talking about Wilson and, and all of these great quarterback uh, play, you know, Gabriel and everybody else. But, you know, we, we haven't seen Fields yet. And all of a sudden, Fields next week is going to remind us saying, oh, that's right. And, that, yeah. and that's something, no matter, how, no matter who you lose, and we saw the pattern this weekend, right? The pattern this weekend is... Anybody that had bad quarterback play, like if it's Auburn and, and Knicks, and whoever had bad quarterback play did not win. And you're, you're mm-hmm. bringing back a team that is loaded, even if the, they lost people, and you're bringing back one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, so there is an advantage when you have a player like that that didn't leave in state. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's very dynamic. He's, uh, you know, quite a football player. And so you, you hit it right on the nose. It's, uh, you kind of forget about the, 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 the stars of the leagues when you just don't hear them because you see for five weeks we've been playing the, you know, the other teams have been playing. And now, you know, those guys come back. Same thing when it happens in the, in the, in when the, uh, Pac 12 comes back, you know, some of the stars from the league that you kind of forgot about, uh, come to the, you know, to the forefront. They, they, so got, stars? they got stars. They got stars. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole nother. That's, that's whole nother so mean. I'm sorry. It's Sunday too. I should be a little bit nicer on Sunday. My bad. I, I you know, that's just really nice. Not nice. I only had one cup of coffee this morning, so I might be a little grumpy. So I do apologize for that. That was there that wasn't go. really nice. Or anyway, <laughs> yeah. listen, I, I, I've got I've got my prediction sure to go wrong. Right, I'm mm-hmm. predicting that Rutgers would win three games this season. Wow, I think Greg Schiano, um, 
maybe not so much this year, but I think by next year, um, he's been recruiting. Look, we know, right? Uh, you know, if you're a football fan, college football fan, and, and you know anything about Graciano, he's an incredible recruiter, right? I mean, he did yeah. great the first yeah. time around with Rutgers. He recruits his area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania. He's going to recruit that area, and he's done really well recruiting down in the South. So we'll see the type of players that he gets. He's going to demand a certain level of let's say professionalism, because it has been anything but professional uh, when it comes to Rutgers and them being in the Big Ten. And, you know, they really don't, you can argue whether they belonged or not, but, you know, the money is great and they took the money and, you know, and yeah. <laughs> they weren't worried about anything else. But I think Rutgers can win three games. And, and that's probably wow. that's probably on the over side, but I'm going with three games anyway. There you go. There you go. I like it. I like that bold prediction on your side. I like it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, subscribing to your your, your thoughts. But I, you know, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the bravado that you you went there. You went there. Hey, what do I have to I lose? Think. I got nothing to lose, right? I was just. Like, yep. Yep. As they say, or as they say, or as they say, put your money where your mouth is. We'll see where that where your betting line is here with all that kind of stuff. So, yep. It's going to be a good one. All right, let's go with your uh, predictions then. For uh, the same thing with Dory, your, your East Division that has Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Rutgers. Uh, who do you expect to represent the East Division when it comes down to the ninth week and they play their championship game? Yeah, I, you know, I'm you know not because I'm a homer because it's uh, you know I I think everybody would think it's going to be obviously Ohio State's going to be there, but I honestly think that uh, you know Penn State's got a chance just because of a weird year. Uh, to be there at the end of the day, um, you know, um, you know I, I, so I, my point is, I think that Penn state has a chance to do it. Um, you know, but money was probably said that it's going to be Ohio state from that side. Um, you know, they're pretty dynamic with all their athletes around the field and just, you know, can Penn state's defense with the less Micah Parsons, uh, get the job done. That will, will be the interesting question for that one. But, uh, so, you know, for, for not being kicked out of the family, uh, I'm going to say for Smart my man. for Smart. my for for my choice would be Penn State, but uh, if you were probably betting the Ohio State, you know, is going to ha- has a lot of you know a lot of the parts to, to to the car that make them, you know, a champion and a you know, playoff uh, uh, contender this year. So, um, with, especially with Fields and uh, you know some of the dynamic athletes that they have there. All right, you've got the um, West now. All right, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and on the other side, I you know. So, you know, everybody, you know, the, the fun choices, obviously Minnesota, can they do it? Um, you know, with, you know, coach Rowan his boat, um, coach Fleck. Uh, but I, I honestly, I'm, I'm with Dory. I, I think Wisconsin is going to do it just because who they are and the nature of the year. Um, it's hard to prepare and hard to, you know, deal with that run game that Wisconsin does. And, uh, I don't know if you've really taken a look, but, uh, the murderers row and, you know, maybe there are some, you know, people could look at it and say the Big Ten didn't do them any favors. Uh, Nebraska's, you know, got a murder schedule. And so um, on that side, I think it's got to be Wisconsin uh, to win it on that side and play for the championship against Ohio State probably in the uh, final. But well, uh, hopefully it's Penn State. Hopefully it's Penn State. So well, we're, uh, you know, that, that's that's the wish and the hope. 
Well, Nebraska made the biggest noise with the AD complaining and stomping and crying about the season going awry, so he got what he wanted. So what, what do you get? Well, you get Ohio State off the back, and you yeah. get Wisconsin, and uh, yeah. you get uh, Northwestern, and here's Penn State, <clears throat> and here's Illinois, yeah. and uh, oh, here's Iowa, and Purdue, and here's Minnesota, and there you go. There you go. Yeah. Everyone is happy. Everyone is yeah. happy that football's back, except now Nebraska, <laughs> where they, yeah. Complained, yeah. they were complaining yeah. that football wasn't here, and they were very upset now they're complaining that they got this schedule and uh they're moaning so hey yeah. you know sometimes uh, you got to be careful what you uh what you really request and what you want so sometimes you get uh you get the double-edged store uh sword so yeah, that's for sure that's for sure that is for sure so uh fun uh listen we're, we're looking forward to it um it, it's just uh, it just adds another d- dynamic right i mean we've seen um We've seen football, then SEC came back and added another element. Now you're adding in the Big Ten. In a couple of weeks, you're going to bring in the Pac-12. Uh, real quick before we move on with the Big Ten, uh, are you concerned? This is a dumb question. I'm, I'm going to preface it that way because obviously if you're a fan, you should be concerned. Um, but are you concerned with the fact that there is no wiggle room in the schedule and uh, about their rules, about if you have COVID, how much time you're missing. Are you concerned that you're going to get uh, teams that maybe only play a few games at all? And if that's the case, does it even matter? Yeah, that really is the big concern. And, and I, I think, you know, in all seriousness, you know, going back to not trying to be a jerk here about the SEC, but, you know, I mean, if they can get Coach Saban back in three days and, um, you know, Big Ten saying 21 days, that's what we need a czar for football. I mean, everybody needs to be on the same page and doing the exact same things. Um, you know, Coach Norvell at Florida State was out for 10 days, uh, didn't get to coach from one of his games against Miami this year. Yeah. So it's the consistency which, which it, it bothers me. And then, of course, to, to your point, I mean, yeah, I, I, there's probably a team that's probably not going to play their A games in the Big Ten because of the situation and then that goes down. And then, you know, how do you handle the whole the bigger piece? You know, like, you know, does it happen in your quarterback room? You know, how do you handle that? I mean, you only got three or four quarterbacks and if they all come down with it, who's the guy going in? You know, um, you know, Joe at Penn State, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago at, for his special teams. He's talking he used to go, you know, one twos and, and then have a third crew, quote unquote, you know, guy that can fill in the first line, second line, third line, just have basically twenty five players ready to go on a special teams. He's talking four four or five, you know, strings of guys being ready to go. And so that's just kind of where it's at. You know, they have to be very, uh, you know, you have to think differently this year in the COVID and how you're going to handle it and um, be able to, uh, you know, get get through these issues. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with uh, any of the Big Ten schools that come down with this. It's it's absolutely amazing, you, you know. Um, just talking about you, you, you're giving the perfect example of what the the coaching staffs on these teams have to prepare for. Luckily, um, you know, you're not uh, like a high school in Franklin that you've got 18 kids showing up, but you have these massive amount of rosters and uh, uh, the players that you have at your disposal. Obviously, there's a drop off from your first team to your third team, but still, you have to prepare everyone, right? I mean, that's the whole point that you're making yep. here. That each coach has to prepare for X amount of people possibly missing time. Um, so the ne- it's really that mantra of next man up is ready to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and with the NCAA changes too, with not 
basically this year not counting for your freshmen, you can play a lot. You can play a lot of freshmen and not have to worry about anything. So everybody's up. There's nobody's not, you know, not going to be active in the situation. So there'll be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of teams that are, you know, that have done pretty well with that losing 20, 25 kids going into a game. So uh, it's definitely a different year from that perspective. So yes, you, you to your point about the coaching, you have to think a little bit differently and, and uh, approach how you're going to approach this thing, you know? So, um, quick shout out. Uh, you, you mentioned Mike Norville. Uh, he's, he got his win, uh, Florida state beats, uh, North Carolina. I believe they were ranked number five. Uh, that ranking will no longer be there. Um, uh, so, you know, he got, he got, he got that win, uh, for Florida state and, uh, that's a, that's a good win for them. The, that'll throw them back into the mix and always have that argument, especially with the loss of uh, UCF. And uh, and Miami compete and everything else. You know what's the best team in Florida? So those are always fun, and it's probably something that we'll, we could bring up and address uh, toward the end of the year. You know who's who's better? Yep. Miami, Florida, UCF, Florida State. So that's always a, a fun conversation. Uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, we have been talking about the Raging Cajuns, and uh, you know, fun team to uh, to watch. Uh, they both came in undefeated at three and zero, and Coastal Carolina had that big win. Uh, Thirty to twenty-seven. Um, what, did did you get a chance to watch that game? I did. I did. It was, uh, uh, you know, we, since Thursday we've had a lot of good football games, and uh, you know, the, the the clock management by Coastal Carolina to be able to hit a forty-yard field goal to win it, uh, the whole nine yards. You know, the dynamic quarterback from La Tech. Uh, is a really good little football player. I mean, just you know, it's some of these some of the games have been really really good. And I thought that uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, the head coach's name is eluding uh, me right this second, but uh, good young coach who's you know doing good things. Um, so you know, yeah, they that was a great game. And then you know the game we've already talked about, the BYU Houston game Friday night, and then you know a lot of good games yesterday. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, the college football is—it's nice to have it back. It's you know, I kind of was thinking about when you were talking about the Big Ten. It's sort of like a, a good movie, or I mean, a good book. You know, every chapter adds a little bit something, a little more depth. And you know, we're on chapter six, you know, right here. And now we're going to add the Big Ten, and then cha- chapter you know eight, uh, we'll add um, the lovely Pac-12 coming in, you know, to the mix. And it's just nice to have, uh, you know, different layers to this whole thing and uh, see how this thing finishes out. But uh, I've been, you know be honest with you i've been pretty impressed with the you know the quality of the games um you know and uh we're, you know the, the the teams that are playing so it's it's been fun to watch even though it's not a full schedule schedule you know get to see everybody across the country to get to play but it's been uh, fun to watch be a lot of good games it, it has been and, and it's funny i asked you the question if, if you watch the game but i remember texting you it was like are you watching a game and uh it's just it, like you said. It, it's just fun to have the football. Uh, they play really well. I agree. The coach, just the clock management, the way they controlled the ball, didn't give the ball back. And then uh, uh, Biscardi, their field goal kicker, kicks that forty-yard uh, field goal with uh, four seconds to win, uh, which gave them their first ever win over a top twenty-five ranked team. Um, they've been in the Sun Belt since 2017, and they have a history of uh, doing upsets. They uh, uh, defeated James Madison when they were ranked number one in the FCS, and uh, Furman and uh, Wofford, and um, you know they had seven Big South Conference champions uh, championships. So uh, watch out Sun Belt because uh, Coastal Carolina. Yep. And what's really going to be interesting, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna is going to be funny. We'll, we'll see what the schedule's like. There's a good chance that these two teams are going to play again in the championship. 
So that'll Probably. be yeah that that'll be really interesting. Uh, shout out to Liberty. They defeated a, a just a, a really sad uh, Syracuse team, thirty eight to twenty one. Uh, they stay undefeated, and it's their first win ever against the ACC. And they also came up uh, from the FCS. So you know their run game was just incredible. They ran all over Syracuse, but you know unfortunately Syracuse is does not have the team or the recruiting uh, the way they used to. Um, you know, back in the day. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, uh, yeah. you know, good wins for the programs, um, good wins for the kids. Uh, congratulations to Dan Mullins. Uh, Dan, yeah. you know, you put your money where your mouth is. Uh, you wanted to show everybody that you're not afraid of COVID. So you go out and you test positive for COVID-19. You wanted 90,000 fans in the swamp. Uh, that same Wednesday, which is crazy, got the game got postponed because you had 18 scholarship players including three walk-ons that tested positive and two assistants. So, Dan, I mean, that is the American story. You really kind of show everybody that uh, you lead the way with the example. So congratulations on your positive COVID-19 <laughs> test. Uh, I hope you're feeling all right, you know, but, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about Dan Mullins. No, it's there, there, there is not much you can say. I mean, you absolutely hit, hit it right on the nose, especially to use it as a uh, one of the issues that why you lost to Texas A&M the week before because you needed fans in your place when you played the following week. That was terrible. And, uh, just this coach, just just coach your guys. Just that's what you got to do. And you know, I I talked about it, you know, uh, before with you. You know, I mean, that is the big key is if you're how is how a coach is going to handle that. How do you get your team psyched up when you run out to the field and there's nobody in the place? Uh, that that management of that, how you do that, is important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to use it as an excuse to say we didn't have anybody in the stands and that's why we're not winning. It's really ridiculous. And uh, um, so I think that's an important message. And like you said, uh, um, and unfortunately for Dan Mullen, you haven't had your second cup of coffee. So, you know, he got a little probably a little more extra today than he probably you would usually get from you. So that uh, he deserves he deserves the award. That's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah, I you know just thinking it, uh, thinking about it from a coaching standpoint, why would you give your players that excuse? Yeah. The reason that we lost Absolutely. this game is because of this. And on a whole other side, what I had a problem with was um, people are crazy, right? Yeah. So I could see people showing up to the University of Florida, the presidents, uh, the AD, and everything else out there protesting and shouting and screaming and doing all this stuff because they need their football. This climate right now in America is bananas, and all you're doing is telling people it's okay to complain because I'm complaining right along with you. And that was my biggest problem and takeaway from all that. And he had to walk back some of that because I'm pretty sure they called him in and said, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like you, you, yep. you can't do that when, you know, they, you know, university said, Hey, we're not going to do that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you get, you have these COVID tests, but that was my main problem. Obviously I want every player coach and including Mullins to get healthy, to not have any, uh, long-term issues or anything like that. Right. That's first and foremost. Right. Yeah. But absolutely. The, the fact that you put a bullseye on your president, on your AD and other members of that university, because of what you said, because you're concerned about fans for a football game. That's the biggest problem I have with Dan Mullins, not so much, uh, anything else. Yeah. 
Well, you're asked to be a leader, so be a leader yes. and do the, do the right thing. That's a perfect That's example. It. All right, let's wrap it up. You know, uh, I just want to mention my uh, my players of the week on the offensive side. I don't know how many weeks we're going to have, especially with Fields coming back and Lawrence throwing for a gazillion uh, yards. Uh, my quarterback of the week or my offensive player of the week was Zach Wilson. I uh, just want to show the kids some love at BYU. 25 or 35, 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a 147.3 QB rating. Do not ask me what the rating means right i just you know yeah. that's just gibber i don't understand any rating that goes past 100 right yeah. <laughs> any yeah. rating any rating that goes past 100 i'm like what, what what's going on so anyway yeah i digress and my defensive player of the week was for south carolina uh jc horn uh son of uh joe horn uh, mm-hmm. He had eight targets. He only allowed two catches. He had five uh, forcing completions and two interceptions. I was really, really hoping that one of those interceptions would have led uh, to him running back for a touchdown, him going to the field goal post, reaching underneath it, and pulling out a cell phone like his dad did uh, in New Orleans. If he would have done that, uh, that would have made my week mic drop, but it didn't happen. But I would love to ask him if he did have a cell phone ready underneath the post, uh, you know, somewhere so that would have been fantastic there you go that's for sure that's for sure all right scott any, any last words there anything you want to mention as we head out no just this uh another week and uh, let's get to the big tens big Ten. Uh, we'll we'll throw them in next week in, in our discussion that's for sure that's for sure it's the big ten here we go thanks coach thanks, i appreciate well. your time man you too brother all have right. a great day you too take care of yourself that's uh, Scott Ligo, and uh, once again, we appreciate uh, Dory Bennett staying with us. Uh, she had to run a little bit early this week, uh, but like always, we appreciate both their insights. Um, another college football uh, week in the books. Uh, another one coming up that should be uh, nice and wacky and crazy. So we, uh, we are looking forward to this, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time to listen to our nonsense. Uh, thanks for listening to NYC, NYSCA. Uh, we're out.